My next guest is Chris Catchball. He is a creative wizard, a teacher, a leader, and he is currently the executive creative director for DDB and Tribal Worldwide. He's from the UK, worked all across Europe, and over the last 10 years, he's been working in Asia, across Singapore, China, and now in Vietnam. He comes with this wealth of knowledge, of experience, working across different countries, different cultures. And so I wanted to really kind of explore that, and really kind of get his insights around what he has seen, especially in Vietnam, whilst he's been here, and what has kind of changed. And I wanted to kind of get his advice when it comes to creativity and his thoughts around that. And so this was a really interesting kind of chat with it. I shot this a little while ago with Chris, and to be quite honest, I wasn't quite sure if this was gonna work because when I looked at it again, the audio was off, video was kind of a little bit all over the place as well from a visual perspective. And I thought about, well, should I reshoot this again, reorganize it, or should I try and use what I have for it? And so I decided to take the latter approach because I felt like it was a bit more authentic and there's still some value across it. So what I've done is I tried to clean it up as best as I could uh, coming through. So if you hear like an audio distortion coming through in comparison to other episodes, it is because of that. But the essence of it is still quite clear. I hope you guys like it. And without further ado, give it up for Chris Catchpole. For, for those who, who are watching or listening, right? The, I guess today's theme is, is about like creativity, leadership, um, and a little bit about like insights around like uh, Vietnam in itself and, and you being there. So for anyone that hasn't watched uh, the intro, I just skip straight to, to this point here. So Chris, you, you've, you're from the UK, you've worked across uh, multiple places in, in Europe, You've come to Asia, you've been here for about 10, 10 or so years, uh, working in multiple countries within like Asia itself. Um, I guess from, from a leadership and, and from you know, the ability to kind of translate that leadership, like what do you believe uh, enables you to kind of take those talents that you have uh, and then kind of be able to replicate it within different sectors? Uh, you have to be adaptable. Yep. Um, you have to uh, listen. Uh, I, I tend to talk too much and um, some I once read um, the wise man is he who listens when he would prefer to speak and um, that's why I'm not so clever because <laughs> I talk too much um, but I listen as well um, I made a mistake when I first got to Vietnam thinking that I could do some great work here um, instantly and uh, the very first brief that we got um, I wrote what I thought were some brilliant scripts uh, and I was really, really happy that um, I, I couldn't wait to get to see the client. And I presented uh, the, the campaigns to the client, and it was a local client uh, in Vietnam. And they had the MD sat there, and the, the chief marketing officer, and the, the really senior people, uh, and the CEO, I think, as well. And one of the senior people said, Chris, it's really, really good to see you, really good to, uh, to meet you. Um, I'm very glad that you're working with this agency. Um, and uh, it's fantastic work, absolutely fantastic work for the West, not for Vietnam. Right. Come back when you've written a Vietnamese script. And it was it took all the wind out of my sails. I thought, oh my God, I just I I, I made a classic mistake of thinking yeah, everything that works where I used to work was going to work here. It doesn't. Right. Uh, that's not to say that all Vietnamese work is brilliant. It's just um, that they this is going back probably eight and a half years. Yeah. They wanted to make sure that I understood that the work in Vietnam needs to have some kind of at least some bias that's Vietnamese 
And so, so I learned from that mistake, mistake. And I pressure test every single thing that I do here. You know, when I was in um, China, it was the same. With the locals, make sure that they understand the concept, make sure they understand the direction. Does this work here? If they, if they say no, I drop it. Yeah. Um, there's no point in just trying to shoehorn in the ideas and concepts that we know and we, we think are normal mm. uh, if, if no one knows them here. Yeah. It's pointless. Yeah. Moving along, like, um, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, like the creativity like here in Vietnam, right? And you've been here and you've now been in Vietnam on and off for about eight years solid. And, you know, through that time, you would have seen some really cool moments that really kind of shaped this industry. Would you be able to possibly share maybe one or two of those kind of really pivotal moments uh, here in Vietnam? Yeah, I mean, uh, probably four or five years ago, um, uh, it used to just be lots of 30-second uh, TV ads. Right. Lots and lots of 30-second TV ads. Um, I remember one of the agencies, the agency I first got to when I came to Vietnam, um, we were doing between 35 and 40 um, uh, campaigns a year, and each of those had a TVC. So it tended to be a 30-second TVC. Um, I could never understand why we were, we were trying to squeeze stories into 30 seconds, and they tended to be anywhere between 30 and 35 frames on a storyboard to be shot to squeeze into a 30 second ad, uh, when we should really have been driving people online to watch long, longer format films online. Mm. So you could do a 10 or 15 second TV ad to drive people online to see the full, full film, uh, and maybe have a 90 second, two minute film online. Um, for Coke, we did a long format film, uh, and it was, uh, it was just over, I think it's almost coming off six minutes, and it felt, it's, that's a long, 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 sorry, long time for people to, um, uh, to expect people to watch this going to add, um, but it was for Ted, and it did incredibly well, it was really, really well loved, and uh, Coke was the number one brand of Ted that year, most loved brand of Ted, uh, knocking Omo, Omo off the top spot, and Omo's got about 10 to 1 spend of Coke. Um, Omo is the washing powder. Omo washing yeah. powder, yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, and uh, and it was uh, that was replicated year after year after year after that. I mean, that, that everyone was started suddenly doing long format, long line films. Right. Uh, so you get four minutes, five minutes, six minutes, seven minute films online. Um, but the Coke thing, I think, was pretty much the first one. Uh, but it's very well liked. And then. Um, other pivotal moments would be, well, there seems to be an awful lot of music videos out there now. Yep. So about three years ago, music videos instantly became the thing. I think there's slightly something to do with the fact that it's cheaper to produce a music video than it is to do a TV ad. Maybe that's one of the reasons. The other reason is that you can feature your KOLs and celebrities yep. in, in, uh, in the uh, music videos, and it seems to be more fun that way. Yep. And you can sing the, 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 about the, the problem, you can sing about um, um, uh, the, the, um, the, what the client wants to get across. And also, you can actually sing about a lot of stuff in a music video, which you can't do in a 30 second TV ad. Mm. So the client can squeeze in as much as information as they want to, because you can do it in, in song, and it seems to be a bit more palatable way to, to listen to it all. Yeah, and, and a classic one is for COVID, like the, the Vietnam government created this awesome song, and, and off the back of that, it's, it gets featured like mm. worldwide. So a lot of people from the States and, and everywhere else 
they, they recognize that song. The song's yeah. actually quite catchy. Yeah, exactly. Time. No, it's it's that it was really well done. That's yeah. really done. Yeah. And that's, that's just um, jumping on the bandwagon of music videos. I mean, there's still a lot of them around. Grab your celebrities. And some celebrities, I think um, uh, there's one woman, one celebrity here, was in six different tech campaigns um, uh, <laughs> the, the tech this year. Um, and back in, I don't know, the end of January, early February, six. And I think there's at least three or four of them were music videos. So you see the same celebrity in, in four different music videos. It's quite, um, yeah, they, they kind of do you think, get themselves around the place. Yeah, do you think, do you think that, that kind of fragmentation of, of, a, of a KOL being appearing in so many, like, they lose some of that value? I think it's nonsense. It's more yeah. about the KOL than it is the brand. Right. I don't know why brands would do that. I don't know why they don't get exclusive deals, but then again, it costs a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, they're, they're literally in the same in the same ad spot. Yeah, sorry, they're in the same ad break. You can see the same KOL for three different brands. It's mental. Wow. wow. Okay. Um, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of KOLs. I'm not a fan of celebrities. Right. Um, uh, uh, I think if the idea works without them. Then it's a good idea. Uh, if they enhance it, then brilliant. That's great because obviously they've got a big following, and you get people. And if they're loved in it, and it's a great idea as well, then then it, it helps you take off. Mm. Um, but uh, but just using them for for the sake of their name and, and their followers, it's not an idea. Yeah. So recapping, it, it's uh, you know the kind of the introduction of slightly longer format videos to mm. tell the mm. story. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that like you know, you're seeing a lot more entertainment kind of come in mm. to, to these kind of creative pieces to tell the story as well. Like it's been like kind of like the key moments, I guess. Yeah, those are key moments. Yeah. I think long format and then into music videos. Yep. Um, uh, now the production values are getting a lot higher. Mm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say the ideas are getting Stronger, right. but uh, but the production values are looking pretty slick. There's some nice stuff out there. Production houses are doing they're doing a good job here. Yeah. I think they're actually there's there's a, almost over two. I think it's over 200 production houses now in Ho Chi Minh City, which is insane. There's, there's far more production houses than there are agencies. Yeah. I don't know how they're all 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 getting work, but. Um, <laughs> But somebody once said to me years ago um, that uh, there were more taxi drivers, sorry, more photographers in London than taxi drivers. And, uh, uh, and it, his friend pointed out, yeah, but at least everyone gets, everyone gets a fare. Mm. Which what he meant was, uh, you might not become super rich and that might not be the, the agency the, the, that's bringing all the cash and, and, and all the great clients. But you can still get by. And this is the same with the, what I mean with production houses. Production houses, they can get by. They can actually uh, uh, be making uh, TV ads or, or uh, content films. Yeah. They might not be blockbusters, but they can still they can yeah. still make a living out of it. Yeah, and do you also feel like some of the pivotal moments have also been like as a I guess as a as a aligning uh, parallel I guess work stream is more to do with. The growth of internet here, like that's just you know the growth of internet here, the ability mm. for people to use their phone to almost pay for anything, so mm. they're constantly on this screen, the second screen type of element. Do you do you also feel like that immense growth of the last five years has also kind of helped that uh, that trend as well? It has. I mean, speaking there's an awful lot of screen time here. I think um, uh, I don't know the very latest statistic, but statistic. But um, uh, I think it's the, we are, Vietnam is the third uh, highest user of uh, YouTube mm -hmm. in the world. So there's more people on YouTube here than almost any other other um, uh, nation on earth. Yeah. 
So, uh, and that's, that, was, that was one of my big things, which, um, back to the comment, which uh, I said earlier about the, them telling me that the ideas weren't Vietnamese ideas. Um, that actually, to me, it's in, so eight years on, that's now a compliment. You might think that's a bit of a strange word to say, yeah. but um, do I want to keep doing Vietnamese ideas? Should I aid our agencies keep doing Vietnamese ideas? I don't think so. Mm. Um, because uh, uh, I start to look at um, uh, what everyone's looking at, mm. and I ask the questions of everyone's, what everyone's looking at, what they're watching, what they're listening to, where they're going, where they want to go, what, what their desires are. Now, if you, I'll just ask you four questions, um, and they're, they're almost rhetorical questions because the answer, the answer is, is, is only a yes or no answer, and uh, most, uh, most people won't answer yes. Um, but, uh, but I ask the question, which is, if, uh, and this is, to, this is to evaluate what sort of content we should be doing in terms of, say, content, in terms of the films, how we should be speaking to um, the, lo- the Vietnamese people here, um, uh, particularly Gen Z, because they're the, they're the guys and girls who hate advertising, mm-hmm. uh, and they're becoming our new main target audience. So um, we, should be, we should note how they think. Um, but the questions are, are yes or no answers, which is uh, for things like, and I've got about 20 of these, but things like um, when Vietnamese people uh, uh, go to the movies, they only watch Vietnamese movies, yes or no? Mm-hmm. The answer is no. <coughs> when Vietnamese people um, uh, listen to music, they only listen to Vietnamese music, no. Yeah. Um, when they go on, uh, uh, when they want to travel, when they're thinking about travel, they only want to travel within Vietnam. No, no, no. I mean, we can't travel now, but nonetheless, the desire is there to go and see the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they go on YouTube, they only watch Vietnamese content. Okay, the answer is no. The exposure of people here is far, far greater to, to, um, uh, to the world than it ever was before. But it does feel like the Vietnamese advertisers are not really taking that into account. Um, just showing Vietnam to Vietnamese is getting a bit dry and a bit boring. Um, and you don't necessarily have to do the cliches, which, which now everyone's taking on the Western stuff that everyone skateboards. They don't. Some do. And everyone rides BMXs and they, they do all the blasting around them. Some do. Yeah. Not all. Um, and sports, I mean, I don't know, there's, uh, if you look at the influences that, that people are receiving here, um, they're far more open to, to, uh, to the world than I think that, that um, they're given credit for. Mm. They're also an awful lot smarter than they're definitely given credit for. Right very, very bright people here, very funny people, um, and I see a lot of um, work which just isn't done by agencies that is far more entertaining than what we do. Yeah. We have to sell products, we do, we have to sell products or services, and that's, that's okay, that, I totally understand that. Mm. Um, and we can't just create beautiful stuff um, because it doesn't sell anything. That's not the point of what we do. Mm. Um, but we can have ideas which uh, relate to shall we say, local insights, but if those local insights are only local, you're missing the point. Mm. The insights of the people 
Um, it's what they're what they're into now, and what they're into is, is traveling to to, to you know, amazing new places, not just within their own country. Eating new kinds of food, not just Vietnamese food all the time. Um, there are so many, not just Western places. I'm not talking about the West. I'm just talking about influence from everywhere else in the world. So it's not about having Western ideas. It's about having ideas that are just not purely Vietnamese ideas. Pause. Now, I ask question across all my guests when it comes to advice. And so with Chris, I wanted to ask him if he was to run a creative session amongst people who may not be creative per se. So I'm using quotation marks if you're listening at home. How would you kind of go about it? And what are the techniques that you would employ in order to do that? He had a pretty interesting take about it. I hope you guys like it. Now back on to the show. I mean, there are multiple ways. Everyone's got their own different ways of doing things. I, I'm not a big fan of brainstorms. There's a lot of, load of people in a room together. It tends to be the, the noisiest person who gets all their ideas through or, or, the, or the person who earns the most money. Yeah. Uh, somebody once said it's the hippo in the room. The highest paid person's opinion uh, is the one that counts. So whoever earns the most, they're the ones who, who, whose, whose ideas go through. And that's a bit silly. Uh, really... Um, uh, it's that everyone and anyone can be creative. Um, but you do, I mean, and, and it doesn't really matter what area of life. It can be our agency. It can be what we come up with, what we do for our jobs. And certain, also, it's, it's always worth remembering that certain people get paid to do ideas and certain people get paid to, to manage the ideas and sell the ideas. So those people don't necessarily have to have as many ideas as the people who get paid to do it, or whatever. And the people who get paid to do it, actually, they've been doing it for a long time, so they're, they're meant to be quite good at it. Yes. And so worth listening to. But um, uh, what I did, did like was a book that I read years ago. Uh, it's called A Technique for Having Ideas, I think. Um, it's by a guy called James Webb Young. It's a little yellow book. It was only about 26 or 30 pages tiny. Uh, and it's, um, uh, it's five steps. And the first step is, as I mentioned before, the brief. You read the brief. So whatever it is, you really need to get a good brief. Uh, and you, So you need to know what the client is asking for. Uh, and the target audience, the background, the unique insight, whatever it is, whatever you need to, you need to know is the brief. Uh, the second stage is, is doing your research, uh, and that's treating yourself a bit like a bank account. So the more uh, uh, you invest in, the more deposits you make, uh, the higher return on your investment you'll get, which is, um, which is really, you get better ideas if, if you're out there reading and listening and learning and looking and, and keeping your eyes and, and, and ears open. Don't wear headphones all the time. Don't just sleep all the time, uh, and don't just sit in an office all the time. Um, it's quite offices are boring. They, they 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 crush your ideas. They're present themselves. You get out on the streets, go and look at the people who are buying the products of, or, or interested in the services that you're trying to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and speak to them if you can. Um, I can't speak to people here because my language isn't good enough. But I drag out people out who can. They can translate for me. Mm-hmm. That's fine. So that's how I learn. Um, but so that's number two is learning is. Mass all the information you can about about the service. Absorb. Number three uh, is 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 switch off. Go and do something you enjoy. So you don't have to stop thinking about it. And really do switch it off. Just just forget it, because it gives your subconscious mind the time to mull it all over. And actually, where that's where your ideas are being created. Um, if you're there, you're sat at your desk thinking, I've got to do an idea for this. I've got to do an idea for this. <sighs> you're really going to burn your brain out. Just give it time to, to, to think 
and you're going to enjoy a film, or you spend time with your girlfriend, you're going to go for a coffee or a beer or a cigarette, I mean, you just, whatever it is that, that takes your mind off it, because that allows your mind to go on it, your subconscious mind. Number four is the awesome one. The ideas come. And that's what the book says. And you think, what? Hang on a second. Yes, the ideas, they come. The ideas come to you. Um, you sit down, you've got a piece of paper in front of you, and the ideas come and you write them down. And number five is you go and present them and the client loves them. And it's like, hang on a second, hang on a minute. How did we get to this, this la-la land of, of number four? It's just the ideas come. There's a beautiful thing that I read in Lerz's Archive magazine a long time ago, maybe 15, 16 years ago, maybe longer. Uh, and it was some super well-known creative director. I can't remember his name. Super, super well-known at the time. And, uh, and he'd been asked by the interviewer of Lerz's, uh, uh, the editor of Lerz's, how do you come up with ideas? And he said, I read the brief. Obviously. Um, and and uh, it's similar things as James James Robbie Young. Read the brief and uh, and I and I uh, do my research and then I stop thinking about it. And this is the beautiful thing he said. And then the ideas fairy comes, and she sits on my shoulder, and she whispers the ideas in my ear. Long may the ideas fairy come, because that's how I keep my job. When she stops coming. I'll be out of work. And I remember thinking, what absolute nonsense. What the hell is that? The ideas fairy. What the hell is that? The very next brief I had, I did exactly that. And the ideas fairy came to me. And she whispered the ideas in my ear. And she still does. And sometimes they're fantastic ideas. And I'm really pleased. And they're award-winning, can-level ideas. They don't always get produced. It's not the point. And in fact, regularly I see stuff that wins these big awards, uh, big awards all over the world, Grand Prix and goals and the rest of it. Yeah. And those are the ideas that actually the ideas very much speak to me. They didn't happen. I was waiting for all the stars to align. But actually, there's one thing that you, that you should know about waiting for stars to align. Something that's come to me recently, which if you spend all your time looking up, waiting for the stars to align, you're missing what's around you. And actually, all the wonderful things that are happening around you, you're looking in the wrong direction. Remember to, to, to notice the things that make you happy. If you, all, you're, all you're doing is waiting for something to happen, you're not happy. If you're waiting to win this award, waiting for the client to buy that thing, waiting for your, your, your suits to, 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 to buy, waiting for it to happen, it might, then it might not. But in all that waiting time, you're missing everything else that's going on in your life. I spend a long time waiting. I don't wait so much anymore. I try to enjoy everything else that's around me. I try to enjoy time with my children. I try to enjoy time going out, time with my wife, time with my friends. If all I do is work, I get no inspiration. And work doesn't give you inspiration. Time out gives you inspiration. So the ideas fairy is very, very, very real. Mm. She does come to you. It's just a different way of saying it, visualizing it. Yeah. Little fairy sits on your shoulder, talks in your ear. Yeah. But the point is, if she stops coming, 
yeah, I might have a job too. If I don't have any more ideas, I get paid for ideas. I get paid for managing people. I get paid for making sure they're right, they're coming with ideas. And I'm trying to grow the ideas fairing on their shoulder. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to make sure that their ideas fairing gets bigger and bigger and bigger and has better and better ideas. Mm. Mentoring them, inspiring them, motivating them, being a carrot, not a stick. Mm-hmm. There's two ways to get people to do something for you. You beat them, or you can motivate them. Kind mm-hmm. of go with the second one. Yeah. I think, I think that's something that like a lot of leaders, uh, they, they definitely aspire to be, and I see a lot of leaders do that. I think where, where there's a, a bit of a cloud or, or um, a bit of a collusion element is, is when you have like small businesses mm. who have to act both as a leader and as a manager and sometimes they lose that uh, that vision sometimes like mm. hey as a leader my, my role isn't necessarily to be the task to tell you what to do it's it's more about how can I enable you to or how can I inspire you and motivate you to get to that point but as a manager it's more like how do I uh, how do I basically facilitate um, you as a specialist, facilitate needs that you need in order to do the job as a specialist. Mm. And then also look at ways in which you can grow within you know within your role, within your team, whatever, and coming through. So I think that's also like a key thing. And also I I love how you just kind of explained um, the five steps uh, mm. and how it also translates to selling as well. And yeah. you know, from a from a agency side, whether or not you're in agency world, whether or not you're you're really dealing in a in a boardroom, for instance, it's it's part of part of it's listening. So so you know, understand the brief, so listening to, mm-hmm. to what people are trying to say, not necessarily being the loudest person in that room. Yeah. And uh, and then at the same time, like once you've listened, once you've been able to absorb the information around you. You know, for I think cool thing about leaders is that because they've experienced so much, right? So they live life mm-hmm. not not from a not only from a career perspective but also outside. So they're able to take these pieces coming in, and, and I guess that's part of research and also part of um, so that part of your part two or part three, and then then they're able to make those better decisions coming through mm-hmm. because they have the experience making better decisions coming in. And I think as sellers from a, a you know from a high level leadership perspective, um, that listening element um, and experience element is so, so important. Like, do, yeah, do you agree on that kind of point? Very much so, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, listening. Yeah. I mean, it, the only thing is, uh, is one, the, my job was once described to me uh, as, uh, as not being an executive credit director. My, my job role was, it was managing disappointment. Right. So, um, and I thought it was quite a depressing way to look at it, but, yeah, um, you can do all that. You can have these great ideas, and you come to the end, and you go and present it. And actually, they don't always buy. The client doesn't always buy. In fact, in the grand scheme of things, and I can't, I can't imagine there's any agency in the world which has a greater success rate uh, of, uh, of every time they sell uh, uh, than than not every time they sell. So therefore, every time we sell, actually. We don't always sell every time. I would imagine it's this way around. So, so yeah. we have to go back and do it again. Yeah. So, therefore, it's disappointing for you as the creative, or you going back to speak to your agency and, and telling your creatives, you're planning your suit stuff, or or they telling you, they didn't buy it. Yeah. Uh, the other way to look at it was um, oh, it's Jeff Goodby and, and Goodby Silverstein, a big agency in the U- in the US. Um, they do a, a, a masterclasses, online masterclasses. 
and, and I have only actually watched the, the little trailer for it, but they just talk about uh, it is an entire career of rejection. Mm -hmm. so it's like, again, glass half full <laughs> territory. Um, uh, it is rejection. You're always being told no. Yeah. You're always being told no. And the bits you get through, where you get a yes on, that's what you live for. Um, but they're few and far between. It's like I think it's like sports, right? Um, you know, some of the greatest players, like they've missed excellent, like they've had to miss all these. Yeah, absolutely shots right. To, to absolutely right. To exactly. Those fantastic ads that you'll see. Yeah. Well, the way that they talk about it, right. you know, they failed a, a thousand times, but that one time was the important time. Yeah, exactly. And they got there at the end. Exactly. That was my chat with Chris Catchball. If you want to connect with him, he's on LinkedIn. I'll leave it in the show notes below. But until then, thank you so much for listening and watching and I'll see you on the next show.